Welcome to JoJo's Bizarre Explainer. This is a podcast about the anime JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I'm Elizabeth Simmons. There's a spider on your microphone. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Sorry. No. It's gone now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a cold open. <laughs> I, I'm Courtney Stan. And I'm Darius Kazemi. Just a bug. <laughs> <laughs> R.I.P. Tower of Grey. Sorry. <laughs> so we're on The Emperor and the Hangman Part 2. So this is a two-parter, a twofer. Then we don't get any credits. Because it's even more of a to-be-continued than usual to-be-continued. Because yeah. Avdol's dead. Yeah. So we're just opening straight up on the continuing of that fight. And how mm-hmm. sad Polnareff is. Yeah. Look, if you want to ship Avdol and Polnareff based solely on this episode, you have my blessing. <laughs> which is good, because I know everyone's waiting for you to canonize. I didn't which... say it was canon. No, but, w- but which I'm, ships are approved. I am giving you my blessing. You're the you're the JoJo's <laughs> shipping pope. Yes, I bestow my blessing upon you for this <laughs> ship, if you want. One of the things I do like is that when the episode starts, we get one of the nicer palette swaps that we've seen so far this season with Polnareff getting very emotional and therefore having red hair. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happens. <laughs> and I also like that Kakuin, as is typical of him, especially I think now that Avdal is gone, Kakuin gets to be the one who has any amount of chill, which is weird because Kakuin is a huge drama queen. But compared to Polnareff. <laughs> yeah, well, compared to Polnareff. He's the one who gets to be like, Dude, he's trying to make you fight, so maybe don't. Right, back away slowly towards me. <laughs> We're going to leave in that car. Yeah, yeah. He's basically Let's playing go. the role of um, Loggins or Messina, whichever one was <laughs> trying to pull Joseph and Caesar apart and like trying to calm them down. Yeah, Polnareff's eyes are red rimmed during this entire scene, which I fucking love. Like I noticed it at first, and I was like, "Is that an a- like? Is that just did someone like spill some pink paint on his?" On but his that's face? not how animation no, works. No, it's <laughs> extremely not. So people, they made sure that his eyes were like realistically red rimmed as if he'd been crying for like this whole scene and it looks really good. Yeah. And then Kakuin, I spent this whole scene being like, is he crying or not crying? Is he about to cry? Was He's it, like, very emotional. I do want to mention that I enjoy that when Polnareff gets himself about to be killed again between Whole Horse and Jay Guile is that the Kakuin's solution is to attack Polnareff because it's like you... You can't fight both of them at once. So it's like fight the one guy that they're both trying to attack. Well, it's like Speed, 1994, right? Shoot the hostage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, he... he was, <laughs> is too young. <laughs> Wait, you haven't seen Speed? I can't tell if you're joking or not. No, I'm not joking. You haven't seen it's, Speed? It's Courtney's, like, one of Courtney's top five favorite movies. I had a cutout standee of Keanu Reeves from that movie in my bedroom for, I've like, years. It's a good Keanu Reeves action movie. Oh, Eli. I've never seen a lot of things. No, I know. So is everybody. But like that one is actually a very like good iconic movie. Speed's also, great. Sandra Bullock's in it. Like That's young okay. baby Sandra Bullock. I don't know. And Dennis Hopper. Yeah, well, sure. Uh, young baby Dennis Hopper. <laughs> <laughs> middle-aged Dennis Hopper. Middle, middle-aged Dennis Hopper. <laughs> is there a Speed stand? Like a, like a stand whose central so. conceit is the conceit from Speed? What is there the should be the conceit from speed is a terrorist puts a bomb on a bus. Once the bus goes over fifty miles an hour, if it goes under fifty miles an hour, the bomb goes off. It reminds me of the one from Vendorio where, like, you can only move 
up in elevation yes or whatever. yes that's very similar but i'm trying to think if there's one that's actually like you can't stop moving like once you car. trigger it right it, yeah it can't possibly like there has to be one. yeah there has to be one if not we, if like, not we've figured out what's yeah. coming in jojo yeah, maybe in next. like steel ball run is there something no there's nothing where you can't <laughs> there's a stop horse moving. that can't go under <laughs> yeah. is there but like where you can't stop moving but yeah it's such a good script. Six? It's like yeah. such a good movie. 1994, man. Oh, it was so good. Let's see. Where were we before we turned <laughs> into a speed about... podcast? <laughs> um, oh, yeah, yeah. So Kakuin shoots Polnareff. Sh- oh, right. Uh, you started it. Yeah, I did. Shoot the hostage. Yep. Exactly. They have that nice bit of business where like Kakuin like speeds by and grabs Polnareff's hand and right. drags him into the right. car. And that is actually genuinely cool. I do feel like in this episode, which is designed to be... Like a Polnareff and Kakuin buddy team up episode, like they they do a lot of little moments where one or both of them look cool, or one is supposed to think they look cool. Yeah, I like that <laughs> Kakuin gets to be like the basically what Jotaro usually is, like not yeah. in terms of yeah. personality, but just, but just in terms yeah, of like the most cool competent and... like hero. Yeah, well, because he's guy. not doing any growing, whereas like Polnareff is the one who's gonna like learn right, and right, grow right, right. Right. through the episode. Yep. So. Yeah, Kakuin's the the stand-in and, adult. And in the getaway car, we get that fantastic scene. So first, I don't remember what Polnareff was saying. Oh, oh yeah, he was like, well, I'm really sorry now. I'm really sorry. Huh? Yeah, he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try and live yeah. now. Yeah, and I like was sitting there, like literally writing in my notes, like, Kakuin needs to fucking slap Polnareff right now. And then immediately he elbows him in the face. And I was like, thank you, immediate gratification. Like breaks his nose. <laughs> yeah, which for on the line, take this instead of a handshake as proof we've made up. Yeah. <laughs> and then Polnareff goes, thank you, Kakuin. Yeah. <laughs> in English. So good. Um, and, but yeah, so then they have this very extremely good like meta narrative conversation it is one of those times where one of the characters is actually saying the stuff that at least for us as a viewer we were saying yeah i was saying it we were saying it out loud watching that episode yeah because kakuin's like well so it's clearly they're trying to figure out how jake isles stand works right and And so polnareff references like the mirror world or something yeah he was like yeah he's like okay so he hides in the mirror world and then kakuin's like there's no such thing as a mirror world Kakuin's just like he's like so it's probably something to do with reflections and because or acorn barnacles perhaps he's like mirrors are two things I know about mirrors work (laughs) on light and mirrors just reflect light and Polnareff's like but he's inside the mirror though and like obviously like and he can attack mirror me and then Kakuin's like none of that's real like this is not some fantasy world and I'm just sitting there screaming at my TV like Yes, it is. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. And then Polnareff joins. Thankfully, Polnareff is then just like, stands exist. This yeah, is like, a fantasy world. <laughs> like, yeah, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> well, like, and, why wouldn't that exist? Well, and like, Eliz, I like your point that uh, they're driving to fight a vampire. So, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. right. Like, this is obviously a fantasy world. They're literally running away from somebody who has some kind of power to jump between reflective surfaces. It's a fantasy world. Yeah. But it does also make sense to me that, like, so you get those dynamics in storytelling. And I feel like Polnareff is sort of cast as, like, the fool of the group, where it's, like, it's his job to be sort of very outsized and ridiculous and then end up saying these things right. that, because he's the idiot... He can he, break the fourth wall. Yeah, right, he, right, sa- right. he says the things that are true to the audience. And he'll he'll do that kind of, like, over and over again, even in, like, the next episode. And it's funny. 
like it's funny that he is saying it because he is wrong a lot (laughs) and like and because he's like often like not correct and and so in in this case he ends up not being right so like him being like there's like kakuin being like there's no such thing as the mirror world it's something to do with reflections ends up being right even though i think later in the jojo universe yeah there is a mirror world world. in later arcs (laughs) it's fucked up yeah right so but the whole it's probably like full of poison now permanently yeah 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 it's been been nuked yeah don't go in no one can go in there Yeah. yeah i think polnareff as a personality type changes a lot throughout the course of Jojo. So he doesn't stay the fool. Yeah. I think at this point he is, I think more than any of the core Stardust Crusaders, I think he's the one who changes the most. From (laughs) I think that you're hitting on maybe what one of my issues is with Stardust Crusaders and why it didn't connect to me is because I feel like maybe, and tell me if you think I'm wrong and I'm just randomly projecting crap because I just don't like this arc, but I feel like other than Joseph, the characters are kind of like more mutable than in other arcs. Like they feel more like not like they're changing character development wise, but like they kind of are slippery. They just step into whatever role they yeah. need yeah, to be yeah. for a given yeah. situation. Yeah, exactly. And it's not that I think characters should be rote archetypes, but like in Battle Tendency, I mean, obviously there's fewer characters. It's not as much of an ensemble cast, but like Joseph and Caesar feel like fully formed characters like they yeah. have personalities and their person and they grow and change over time but they don't like just become they they don't act out of character in a way where it just feels like they don't have a character to act in i mean i think polar f of any of them does that and he has an arc and it makes sense it doesn't mm-hmm. just feel like he's changing for like no good reason uh, usually when he's changing, it's for very good reasons. Kakumin right. especially, to yeah, me, is like, like, is like extra really just... Personality. Yeah, it's... Maybe that's why the fandom like like projects on him the kind of like passive BL stereotype that right. they tend to project onto him because he's just kind of like he fills in whatever role is needed at that time. He's like the, uh, the hermit purple of characters, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> and that makes sense to me. This does feel like a chessboard and like characters just sort of moving yeah. along it. And I do think also in part, I think Polnar feels more fleshed out because he has that backstory. And, right. like, and like in this episode, right. yeah, that's a really good point. we get to see him complete this for sort of first chapter of his motivations, right. which is why you get the, and it's done for comedy at the end of the episode, him being like, okay, so we all have to stick together. Cause when we separate Gio comes after us. Okay. Like, right. you know, and, and that's a turn. And again, because right. he's the fool, it's like the idea is that it's a joke, but also he's saying something that's very true. Right. And right. we're shown that he has learned that. Mm-hmm. And right. even though everybody else already knew it. Right. And you, right. but like, but you get, good reactions to it with like Kakuin and Jodoro are just like smirking about it. Right. And Joseph is surprised because he didn't, you didn't, he didn't get to see right. Polnareff learn that. The growth arc. Right. Uh, but now, so now Polnareff is completely on board yeah. for the rest right. of the arc, like come hell or high water. It makes sense. Like no matter what he goes through, like pig in a toilet is not going to throw him <laughs> anymore. <you know>? Like, <laughs> no, it is not. He's like, he'll do anything uh, for them because he's just like, he's in it. He'll and do committed. anything having to do with a toilet. Yeah. He'll, he'll <laughs> suffer as many dirty toilets as he needs to because his friend Avdol died yeah. and he feels responsible. Yeah. And so yeah. like, he wants to like, yeah. see it through. Okay. Yeah. This does make sense to me now because like, I'm thinking Kakuin 
and Abdal both like just are not super defined to me. Yeah, like they, both they don't are, have motivations yeah. really. Yeah, right. and and that does have to do with the backstory. And so, like, I'm thinking about just the cast in like Diamond is Unbreakable, and like how they just feel like people. Like, I feel like if you said to me like, "What would this character do in such and such a situation?" I would be able to tell you. Right. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much I, everyone in Diamond is Unbreakable, yeah. with a couple exceptions. Yeah. Of like some of the most tertiary characters, yeah. and even then, I'm like, I don't know, maybe go hang out in there, like power yeah i was gonna say that guy too (laughs) (laughs) yeah like if you ask me what kakuin would do in a particular situation or what abdal would do besides like fight the thing right like what is kakuin doing five years from now like you know i couldn't i couldn't (laughs) i couldn't plot that out for you given what we know you know no so yeah no neither could i i have no idea like what are his interests Right. Acorn barnacles. Yeah. Painting erotic paintings of Jotaro. <laughs> yeah. But that's like, something I yeah. have made up for myself. <laughs> Courtney, you that's for, your interest. Thank you for thank you for clarifying. Because it's true though, it's like with these characters, like you can make up whatever you want, but like they don't really have Right. And and anything seems like it could fly. And that's yeah. and so and that's I think a differentiation of fandom preference because I think people respond to different things. And I think that's a part of why Stardust Crusaders is so popular. That's a really, really good point because <laughs> I feel like it's a wire Well, it's a yeah. wireframe. And so yeah. you can put a lot of yourself in your own, like there's very broad strokes yeah. and that leaves room. Well, it does feel like, like a classic RPG in that sense where it's like there are these kind of characters and they all you know there's there's, archetypes yeah Yeah. there's fire type there's pointy type pointy type yep Mm -hmm. there's my contribution to the discourse long long distance jewelry type yeah yes that's tentacle type yeah tentacle type (laughs) Um, which is a whole other thing there's plot type (laughs) and they kind of have personalities but like but they're their main purpose is to fit into this archetype and not to be like a living breathing character yeah But once you're given really fleshed out living, breathing characters, it requires, I think, a different level of skill to find the tiny seams where one could imagine new stories. Right. Whereas when you have these very broad strokes, it's like you can put any story in there. I mean, there's so many days of travel that you're like... Man, I could crank out five thousand words. Yeah, maybe they just <laughs> of, like any maybe adventure. Maybe they just start working at a coffee shop. Like, what does Avdal do in his spare time besides like read about right, tell fortunes? Stand? Right, but like PTSD yeah. flashbacks <laughs> of the time he met Dio. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, like what? Like I, I know nothing about him or like really his personality. Like I know, yeah. like pretty much everyone in Sardis Crusaders can be described as like badass. But yeah, that's right. like not particularly interesting. Right, because it's a, it's a shonen anime. Yeah, so everyone's going to be badass. <laughs> My thing with this episode is that the by the time they get to Jay Guile himself... Who in, sucks, by the way. Until the very end. I was not clear on that uh, by, based on everything up till this point with him. I thought he was oh, ma- wait, maybe a stand-up wait, guy. Wait, wait. <laughs> I just realized something really important. Yeah. We never get to see his ass. <laughs> <laughs> and that guy has such a nice ass. That's oh, true. that's right. Holy shit. Which is weird. What the fuck? I think Araki changed his mind. I think Araki had drawn that beautiful man. Maybe he's like a butterfly with his beautiful taint, <laughs> and then he was like, 
And then by the time we get to whole horse and maybe Jake he's Isle, just really let himself go. Yeah, or maybe maybe it's like a uh, yeah, maybe it's one of those situations where his moral degeneracy has caused his ass to degenerate. <laughs> Probably. Oh, well, we didn't see his ass. Right. But that's but that's why you don't. It's, it's too yeah. gross. But I actually, you know, Iraqi like, doesn't like to show us gross things. <laughs> no, he does not. But I, I think that honestly, I think it's that like when he was drawing Polner ass backstory, he was just like, I really want to draw a nice ass. Yeah, yeah. I need an ass in here. <laughs> oh, he, and he even drawing. He was just doodling <laughs> asses like absentmindedly. But I think it's because and he, then. Like, oh, well, I guess that's in the manga. <laughs> I think it's like because he'd been drawing Back Dio and stuff. And so he's like, well, Dio's always Maybe half he naked. he forgot that he wasn't drawing Dio. Yeah. He went into like a fugue state. And like when he woke up, he's like, ah, I'm drawing Dio again. I said that in. All right. Maybe Dio was supposed to be the killer of his uh, of his sister originally. And then he, and then he changed and then his he mind. Forgot. And then he decided to draw. So this is, but this is one of the ugly characters. Yes. Go back yes, to this is an ugly, ugly men in JoJo's. But like, it's so, so weird that, that. You guys still keep that list for me. <laughs> it's yeah. So, it's so weird that one of the ugly men in JoJo's is also somehow canonically like it by right. a beautiful canon one of the most beautiful asses or had had at least he yeah. at least That's we true. at least know that his ass has at least been... like 10 years ago <laughs> yeah. or however long it was ago that that he killed yeah. Polnareff's sister yeah. maybe that picture was from like an ass competition that he won that's true. Maybe at some point he had a beautiful ass. He was a champion ass haver. We don't we don't know the order of operations. I'm writing that down for merch. <laughs> champion ass haver. Well, cuz that's the thing. Maybe he had his champion ass and then he murdered Polnareff's sister. We don't know how much time passed between those two things. So maybe Polnareff that's saw true. that and then like but when people were like, "Here's who killed your sister." It was in the paper. You know. <laughs> Just picture of his <laughs> ass. ass. Yeah. And so That's been, a really you know, good point. Like when somebody like uses like an old photo that they're really on ha- Tinder. Yeah. Or like, or right, right, but, but also the ass was the retell was Polnareff's uh retelling. He- retelling right. of the girl who was with his sister who survived to tell the tale. <laughs> so the, the girl, girl maybe the girl just uh, just thought he had a really nice ass because she, she has hasn't really seen bad a lot of ass. Yeah, she has really bad maybe taste in ass. Maybe the girl felt bad that she was going to tell Polnareff that his sister was murdered by, by a really, really ugly, ugly dude. Guy. And so yeah. she was like, it's okay. He had a really, really nice ass. <laughs> but also, maybe she just hadn't seen a lot of asses. Yeah, maybe. And so, yeah. but also, she told Polnareff he had a nice ass. So, right. her standard for nice ass and Polnareff's standard for nice ass are maybe really different. Yeah. Also, yeah. the fact that she would address the question <laughs> right. of whether or not his ass was great and nice maybe shows Polnareff- that she maybe has some issues. That I extend to the question of whether her judgment about asses is really that great. I I have to say, I bet Polnareff asked. Yeah. So like his ass, how was it? Yeah. Right. What was his body like? (laughs) Tell me. Describe it to me in detail. Start from the top. Yeah. Start from the bottom. What did he look? Don't skimp on the ass. I feel like. (laughs) The like two right hand thing, while very weird, is maybe not something someone would notice. So I feel like he was like, "What did he look like? Tell me everything. Right? Everything. Literally everything. Everything." <laughs> and me. so she like gets to the bottom of his ass, and he's like, "No, keep going. Yeah, keep going. The taint. Tell me about yeah. the taint." And so like I feel like so I feel like she was like trying. You know, he's like just like go over every detail in your mind, and so like to get to get clues. Yeah. And so I think he made her describe. 
as much as she could in as much detail as she could. And so he got the two right hands and then he got a lot of detail about that guy's naked butt. But through multiple lenses, because none of us can truly know another person. This is the flaw of communication. Nobody can ever truly know another person's butt. That's for sure. That's also true. So I'm just saying this was a distorted. I'm still laughing at champion ass. I'm just saying it's a it's a subjective ass. You know, like you go to the store and you get those like ribbons. Yeah, right. Like, right. number one, one dad. Mom. Yeah, champion yeah. ass ever. Yep. So we get to Jay Guile and Courtney. You had a big problem with this. So which yeah, is... this is my problem. By the time we get to Jay Guile. From then until the end of the episode, I need you all to imagine me just sitting, staring at the screen, yelling, you could just kill him right now because they could just kill him right then. The bot, like the actual the stand actual user. The actual stand user because you don't have to fight the stand. You could also kill the stand user. Right. We established that with Yellow Temperance. Yes. Jotaro proved you can just punch the stand user in the face a lot and that takes care of the stand. So all this fucking bullshit with the coin and with, oh, I can hop around to a bunch of strangers' eyes. and No, you don't. Kakuin has a long distance stand. He can just emerald splash the motherfucker from far away and kill him. Like they, yeah, especially after they actually find him. Yeah, right. Like you, you've got him. You're in range of him. You don't have to fuck with his stand anymore. You can just kill him. So like the last however many minutes of that episode is just me being like, stop wasting time. But also, it's really cool. <sighs> I think it's. I mean, yes, I, think I know it's... the episode exists to make them seem cool. Yeah, I mean, I think the the it's a like, nice little gimmick trapping him in the eye, and then like, I mean, there's a lot of cool Iraqi eye stuff that happens in a lot of the different arcs. Yes. Um. Uh, so that's like, this is just another example. I just want them to efficiently murder people. <laughs> I mean, I just want this arc to end. Well, <laughs> and it does, you know, yeah. like, so that's... No, I mean... Oh, the whole Star thing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, and so that's the thing. So they they finally, they kill the guy, they kill him, and then they, like, throw his body onto a very spiky fence, fence that is conveniently there. So yeah. they just randomly throw him on this fence that's hanging out. Yeah. Yeah, so that he gets upside down and looks like the like iconic hangman uh, iconography from tarot. From the Rider Waite yeah. tarot. Yeah. Um, and so then... Because Iraqi like, remembered so that he the had the gimmick. Hang- yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, Yeah, tarot the tarot cards. gimmick really mm. is a thing that exists for one arc. <laughs> uh, and then Whole Horse shows up again at the end to be almost vengefully murdered for killing Avdol. But then his Chekhov's teen girlfriend comes back <laughs> up to save his life and let him get away. Right. She pushes Polnareff down to the ground. And, and Whole Horse, of course, has found a whole horse to get onto <laughs> uh, and is riding away on it. Yep. Uh, uh, rides away full force. Yep. Full yes, force on his whole he, horse. Uh, yeah. he, learned, he learned his tactics from the Joestar uh, school of tactics. Yeah, he actually yeah. does a Joseph Joestar run, like yeah. with the with the exaggerated walk. Because he says he prefers to fight when he prefers to be number two. Yes, and he <laughs> why be number one when you can be number two? He's a bottom. This is also more proof that he might be Nista's dad. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. Yeah, but um, uh, yeah, what he second. says, what he says is specifically like uh, my my stand shows its strength when I'm with a partner. Like that's yeah. that's I think that's he's how he puts good, it. He's a good, generous, giving bottom. Yeah, he's missed his dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, believe it. I believe it. Yep, yep. And so whole horse rides off. Just the the whole horse theme song plays. Sub. I love 
I love Whole Horse's theme. Yes. It's just so cheesy, spaghetti hilarious. western. Yes. It's so good. Oh, it always really reminds good. me of that scene in Nozaki-kun where uh, Nozaki and Seo are in the hall and they're like yes. faking the like l- when love she, scene when and, he's like, carrying oh, yeah. the all the yep. shit for her that yeah. she she's supposed to be doing. Yeah, it always reminds me of that. That's really good. I'm like <laughs> now that's going to remind parody me of that too. Yes. love sunset scenes. And so while Palmareff has been knocked to the ground by this teen girl, she also gets like her she Her, gets cut. She gets cut because she gets dragged. She gets dragged. Right. She gets dragged. Physically, Physically literally dragged. dragged. Yeah, by uh, by by Polnareff. Not modern dragged. No, like actual. No dragged. actual dragged. Not called out um, on Tumblr. And then yeah, <laughs> and then uh, and then we see a speck of her blood land arc on and land well, on Joseph's arm. Joseph is a is a gentleman and a dad, and so he he's like, bandaging her. He busts up. out a handkerchief and is just like, "We don't have time for this. We just have to let him run away." And Avdal's already dead, so we just we're gonna move on. And he's like lecturing Polnareff while bandaging her elbow, which I was like, "This is a very dad move." Yeah. <laughs> and then he gets a little droplet of blood on him, and then as the episode is closing out. We zoom in on the little drop of blood, which has turned into like a, a boil. Yeah, like a boil. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a... got a little mouth. <laughs> <laughs> this is what zits look like to me. They call out to be popped. They're just like, Meh. Yeah, yeah I agree. It's gross. Yeah, the zits are gross. But they talk to you and they demand to be popped. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a weird. It's amazing, thing. and then we get to be continued. Yeah, it's awesome because it's extremely menacing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that's it. That's the episode. Cool. That's the whole thing. Yeah, it happened. Yep. We, we lived through it. Most of us. Whole horse got away, and Abdal is definitely still dead, and they are moving on to the next city. Yep. Yeah. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. Thank you so much for listening. Yes. Thank you. See you next week. <laughs> Yay! Bye. JoJo's Bizarre Explainer is recorded in Portland, Ora, Ora, Oregon at StreamPDX Mobile Podcast Studio. Thank you to the folks at StreamPDX and OpenSignal. Our music is The Freakout Experiment by Tobias Weber. You can follow us on Twitter at ExplainJoJo or find us on the web at ExplainJoJo.com. We love to hear from our listeners, so please go to iTunes and leave us the kind of review that Polnareff would leave for revenge.